Welcome, everybody. We want to thank you for listening in today to the It Can Happen to You podcast, hosted by Reed Besh. And your sidekick, Mom Beth Besh. Hello, all you faithful listeners out there. We welcome you back to the It Can Happen to You podcast. We hope you've all had a great and lovely day so far, and we're coming to you, I guess, technically on recording in Mom's office right now. Well, uh, we're I very was going to say live, but... <laughs> Not live. This is a podcast, oh, but, but we... speaking of live... You know, we have so much fun doing it. People don't understand what goes on behind the scenes. And I think we should do a live broadcast. They need to see how I can do my dance moves. And you sit there and you roll your eyes. We did not rehearse talking about this on air, <laughs> so I'm glad she brought it up and not me. Anyway, yes, we, we do have an idea that we would like to go live, answer any questions from you guys. We were going to do it March 23rd. We have to change that because I have a hip surgery coming Woo! up. After, yeah, after two years, I finally get that hip surgery. So we're looking at pushing it back into April. And here, what we need, we need kind of maybe some ideas of what day of the week might be good for everybody. Because I mean, we want to do Facebook Lobby Tape. Facebook Live is a whole nother story because once you mess up, it's out there. There's nothing you can do about it. So that would be a great idea. What would be a good time or what day with all of our faithful listeners? And hopefully you're inviting everybody so we can get more people listening. But that would be something. Don't forget, you can always go on our uh, email us and um, our uh, Facebook page and let us know. Or we're on, what, Twitter? Mm-hmm. And Instagram. And Instagram. Like, we're on all social media, so please come hit us up. Let us know anything that might be easier. Like she said, we want to do a Facebook Live, Get answer questions. If you don't ask us questions, you'll be sitting staring at us for an hour or however long we decide to do it. <laughs> none, none, of, none of us want that, so let's try to get some questions that we can help. I mean, they there's no question too dumb. I can promise you that so much. Oh, oh yeah. I'm, I probably asked every dumb question to the doctors there was. So. Exactly. Um, also, just want to sit there and just say thanks to our sponsors. We've got today Kim Tompkins Hair and Color Salon. She is in Smyrna, Tennessee, is a uh, longtime beautician. She is phenomenal. Her number is 615-967-7852. And also, there is a real estate agent that is a born and raised Nashvilleian. She's basically a unicorn. She's never lived anywhere else. It's me, Beth Bash with the XP. I would love to help you with any of my... Um, any of my services that I can do, I've done nothing but real estate my whole life. And my number is 615-533-3876. So text me and reach out to me and let me see how I can be a benefit to you. And you might be thinking at this point, wait, that's not enough sponsors. Y'all have had more. Yes. And so this is a whole part of our new season, as we quote, as we said last time. So if you remember the last time we were telling a story, we said things will start to change. Well, the way we thought of it, this is kind of like a TV show. You've We finished season one with Coach Reggie last episode. If you haven't listened, pause oh, now and go listen. That was one of the most incredible interviews and just conversations I've had. And it was absolutely adored doing that. I mean, I can't sing, sing enough praises about that. So, But it, that's technically the season one finale, right? So now we're getting into the season two. This would be the season two premiere if you want. And we're going to go right back into the story. Uh, so if you remember, we left off that we had to start a third round. That's really what it was. Now, we're starting round three, and I believe that it was, yes, so I'm looking at my timeline here as well. So this will start on April 10th, is what they told me. This round three is going to be a consolidation round. Mm -hmm. It was basically, I've had two rounds of intro chemo, as they call it, and then this consolidation round was going to be more aggressive. That means the past two rounds did affect, right? They they took out some of the cancer. So if I was 
85% cancer cells, I might be about 40 or 30% now, but those really 30 to 40% are being really stubborn and we gotta, we gotta attack it a little more aggressive to make sure we wipe out all the cancer and see what the future holds at that point. Um, I have not had any radiation at this point. I just like to clarify that. I did not have radiation. They hadn't really discussed radiation at this point yet because the chemo, although it wasn't fully effective, it was still doing enough that they felt comfortable to even let me go home. And if y'all remember that whole, uh, I got, I mean, debacle is the best way I could describe it. That whole debacle of coming home, Situation. going back, coming home again. Yeah. So we're right around. I want to take us back, though, just a few days before the third round starts. If, if you remember, you don't get chemo every single day and you're just going for months on end. No, you you get doses of chemo, let's say one, two, three weeks in a row, and then they let to see the effect of it. Then they let your body kind of get back up to healing itself, and then they hit it again with another round. I think that sometimes a miscommunication is a lot of people think, oh, you're getting an IV chemo straight for seven straight months. It's coming in and you don't have any breaks. Well, no, that's not necessarily the case. there is also different types of chemo. Yes. So it depends upon what they're what they're trying to affect, what they're trying to do. Some people have a, a pill that's a chemo pill. Some people have to do it, you know, in the arm and an IV. Yeah. An IV. So, you know, every different situation, it's, it's basically they come up with a protocol based upon that individual. Absolutely. So before I hit round three, the doctors informed us, like I said, round three is going to be more aggressive, but they want my blood counts to be a little higher in order for this round three to get started. They they just, they came to the determination that was going to be the best way for me to succeed. So as you remember, I'm back at home. Well, April 2nd was kind of a big day for me because I remember that was the first time the family went out to dinner. And what I mean, like, went out to dinner, I'm talking, we haven't been out ever, mm-hmm. at all the past, because I've been in the hospital, I've been released, we've had dinners brought to us. It's been it's, like the flu protocol, mm-hmm. it's been the uh, compromised immune system, so we really don't want to expose the whatever forms out there to possibility for any kind of complications. Mm-hmm. And we're still kind of under that protocol, but I've been allowed to do a little bit more. They doctors and nurses and everyone realize you still have to live life. You can't just stop everything and just say, hey, I'm not ever going to look at outside of a window again for fear. But I, on the other hand, wanted to put some kind of decompression chamber where people have to be coming in. They have to be totally sanitized, steamed or whatever, put all these protective stuff on. But they told me it wasn't realistic. Exactly. But but, uh, April 2nd, we go out to dinner and I'll never forget this. We go to Outback Steakhouse. If y'all remember, my hip is still kind of, I'll put it fragile at this point. I still have that labrum tear, so I'm still using a walker. I have no hair at this point. I'm wearing a mask. I have gloves going in. Mom is being the Miss Protocol. I'd call her Mrs. Clean at this point. I mean, she's wiping (laughs) everything down for me. And if I'm going to be honest, and this is going to be kind of vulnerable, but I know a lot of patients feel this way too, you you feel awkward about it. You yeah. do. I mean, You feel like there, everybody's looking. There is everybody's looking. And I know this because the second we stepped in the door, a five-year-old kid next to me said, Mommy, he has no hair. I mean, <laughs> innocent as can be, it's a child, but that's the first thing people notice is he has no hair. Oh, he's sick. You know, I know there's another... Uh, you, you, we walk by another group of people and everyone's head turns and you can just tell you can't help but look. And I, I kind of understood that because I'll, I'll be honest, did I used to do that? Probably more than I'd care to admit. I mean, it's natural as humans to do that, but being on the receiving end of that, 
it's a lot Puts harder. It's a different it perspective. Does. Yes, it's a new perspective. It's a lot harder for me to... I, as you've listened to this podcast, you've heard me talk about how I'm so open on the floor. Well, it's easier to be open on the floor because I know all the nurses now. I know them by names, what they're coming to do, everything. I know every other patient up there is just like me. If there's a family member visiting, they already know what's going on, so they know not to stop and stare and look because they know, they see it all around right now. But you get put in that outside world... It's a whole different story. People aren't used to looking at that. And that brings on a very good point. Anybody that has certain issues, whether it's any kind of physical issues that people can see, it takes a whole different kind of uh, preparation mentally Mm -hmm. and... Just to be able to to expose yourself because you never know. You know, we've got all different levels of people and understanding and empathy out there. And it that that brings out a very good point because it's hard. They say, go ahead and live your life. You've got to do that. But sometimes emotionally, because, you, you, you know, we're all people are, we just look on the outside appearance most all the time on people make a determination within 30 seconds of meeting you. Mm-hmm. And so it is difficult for sometimes for people to comprehend. And I can see where some patients would be self-conscious. It would hurt their feelings or others would be bitter and say, you know, what are you looking at and stuff like that. I mean, that's why people react differently. And it's, I don't think it's always intended, no. but it's a reality of what happens. A hundred percent. And I agree with that because I'll just use me as the example. I'm a 22, 23 years old now because I turned 23 during this. 23-year-old, no hair, mask on, gloved up, using a walker. And I'm you got to remember, I lost a lot of weight, so I'm probably 170-ish. Because usually, yeah. I'll be honest, I'm, I'm a little on the heftier side. I played sports, so but I'm like 170, so I don't even look the same. No. And you just get all the eyes in a restaurant, and you know there's no one else they're looking at. Let's be honest. There's not some star behind you. Carrie Underwood's not sitting at the table behind me. I know that for a fact. Carrie, if you ever were, please let me know, because that would have been really <laughs> cool to see. But, but ultimately, I know who they're looking at. And my thing was, I kind of, from that point on, I, I say that was the first time I felt like a true patient. But don't worry. Mama was right there, and I was looking right back okay. at him. Okay, yes, but that, <laughs> yes, but you know, I was a true patient at that point in time. All the way, all through the rest of this so far, what we've led up to this, I've been a patient, but I've been like everyone else, right? I haven't really differed in terms of, oh, the person next to me also has cancer. You know, we, we're both going through cancer treatments. It might be different. We might be in different stages, but I at least know they're fighting the same thing I'm fighting. This was the first time I'm by myself. There's no nowhere to hide. I can't be like in a group of, can't be in a lineup with other people and you're like, oh, I wonder who's doing what here. You have completely isolated. Well, and you know, I, we forgot to say something at this time too. This is also when we knew if we were going to go start to go out, you would not be able to walk long distances. So that's also the time where the doctors gave us, gave you the information for your handicap placard, because sometimes Mm -hmm. if it was just you and the other driver and you were too weak to be left alone. I mean, we, let's put it this way. I had a walker with me. I had a wheelchair in the car just in case, Mm -hmm. because we didn't know this is still at the point in time. We're only, I'd say two, two, three weeks out from, I used to have to take a break going up the stairs. Yeah. So it's not like I'm and ready these to are run very marathons. Short dis- yeah. I mean, that one outing, you were exhausted for two days with that. Well, yeah. I mean, exactly. It used up all your energy. And I, I love you for doing this because it did help when she wipes it down. But wiping it down and having it done for you, like in the <laughs> hospital, you know it's their job, right? 
out of the hospital, it makes you feel like people don't think you can take care of yourself. I knew what to do. I knew you didn't mean it that way. But when you got eyes already staring at you and then someone else is doing everything, wiping down the seat and the table and the silverware and the mugs and, you know, you're coming and they're pulling the seat out and they're trying to make sure everything's... Sorry, it's the nicest, mama bear mode comes in and I just can't help know, it. And that's what, but we're being honest. Like, that's what parents do for their kids. So it's no different in your mind. In my mind, it's now perceived differently because of what stage I'm at. So I'm not getting mad at you. I'm not nothing. I mean, you did exactly what I would expected my mother to do. It's just like I said, with now all these eyes on me, now the, I, you almost feel the pity stare and the pity looks coming like, oh my gosh, I, I'm so sorry for that kid. I can't imagine what he's going through. And it's like, I don't want people to feel that way. I'll gladly have a conversation with you about what's gone down and how I feel about it and let's move past it. But I don't like the let's stare, kind of avoid. I don't want to interrupt you because I know you're not feeling well. No, like come interrupt me. if I, I'll tell you straight up if I'm not feeling it. I mean, we've had friends all the time where I was like, hey, I'm just exhausted. I'm going to go sit down. You can talk, but I'm probably going to be asleep in five minutes. Yeah. Like, So that's just different stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so that was our very first trip out as a family after that whole scenario. Now, I did not cut your meat up for you. No, but you thought about it, let's be honest. <laughs> Which, not to mention, I'm still on the Neutropenic diet. So That's true. Y'all probably took me to the worst place because I had to get it, like, well, well done, extra char marks on the steak. And I was like, <laughs> you know what? This is just great. But at least they listened to us. Exactly. But, so, that happened. Uh, the following morning, we had another uh, fun event for what I call it. I don't really know. So, originally, when I was getting released from the hospital, you'll remember they removed the pick line out of my arm. That's what they gave me for all my chemos, any medicine, any blood transfusions, anything like that was going through a PIC line so they didn't have to give me an IV every time. When I got out of the hospital the first time, they gave me a dual port, and I didn't know this. This was kind of interesting to see. The dual port is kind of on your chest, on, on at least on mm -hmm. me on my right-hand side, and it's up underneath the skin, though, so it's not coming out all the time. And you're like, well, how does that help? Well, they can still, it's like a little prick still, kind of like an IV, but up there, and they can actually give you two things at one time, dual port. I know it's kind of simplistic, and I know I oversimplified it, but that's just, you know, it helps me understand as well. But so they had given me that for the longest, and that's what we were continuing to use. Well, when I heard about this consolidation chemo, me and the doctors talked it over, and they actually informed me there's another type of port called a triport. And when I was discussing with the doctors, they said, you probably want to go ahead and get that uh, implanted because the triport will allow you for one tubing has to be used for strictly chemo alone mm -hmm. and then two others, one for blood transfusion and, and fluids if you need it. But it's better because the consolidation chemo you're about to go through plus any more chemos there on out mm -hmm. that'll leave them an extra he almost calls it an extra access, air yeah basically. extra access extra air access if something were to happen you know and i was like that's not a bad idea he said it's not going to be anything you know out of the ordinary he did say you're going to have basically three ports and they would hang out so it'd be outside the skin and it would just hang there and there's nothing to be worried about you don't have to be super freaked out nothing like that so that was nice. So on April 3rd, I went in and got the triport and uh, actually implanted. And it was in the same spot as the dual port. So what they did is they took the dual port out, put the triport in. Well, funny story when it comes to a triport. Um, <laughs> my aunt was with me, and I remember waking up after anesthesia, and I put my, my shirt back on. And I, of course, am still out of it. And I looked down, 
And I see this triport <laughs> protruding from my shirt. And I started just kind of laughing and gasping. And my aunt's like, what is going on? And I said, it's a triple nipple. That's really what it is. <laughs> and she just busted out laughing. And so from there on out, I never called it a tri- triport. Nope. So beware if you hear this on the uh, show later on on ev- uh, different episodes. I call the triport the triple nipple because when it lays down, the all three axes lay down, and you put a shirt on, it's right around where your nipple is, and therefore <laughs> I had a triple nipple. And it was one of the bright spots of me kind of getting over the you know, whatever, the self-consciousness well, of it, whatever. again, that's something else a normal person does not have to do, does not mm-hmm. have to compensate for, oh, I'm going to have to have some some therapy, some IVs and stuff like that, and have it protruding from their shirt. So I totally get it. Mm-hmm. I'm just glad that you were able to always see the humor in it because mm-hmm. life, so much, you can get through so much in life if you can learn to laugh at yourself. Absolutely. So that was the... Funny triple nipple that you'll be continuously <laughs> hearing about. Um, then April 6th comes, and in case you're wondering, yes, I'm still keeping up with the Preds at this point. On April 6th, oh, they, they clinched a playoff spot, and you'd have thought I won the world. Like I personally won everything in my life. I was so excited about that day. So, yes, I'm still keeping up with all sports at this point in time. Anything to kind of keep my mind going and not just sitting there wallowing is what I like to say. But then we finally get to April 10th. April 10th is the start date. Um, I remember we were going to have big Easter plans, but given my condition, given what I was about to go through, we kind of dulled it down a Scaled little bit. Scaled way yeah. back. Exactly. We try, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure we still saw family, um, but it was very limited. It was very limited. Yeah, was, and we just don't want to risk anything. That was our biggest, biggest concern. So that was nice. I don't really remember a lot of it because, like I said, it was very limited. It was kind of an in and out. We were just trying to be respectful of each other. And we also knew, hey, once I get past this, then we can kind of have a big grand thing. So that was our our, our thought process. But April 10th starts uh, our chemo day of round three. Um, as I said, it's going to be the more aggressive kind. And to be honest, this round was more of a blur to me. Um I'll be completely honest. I don't remember a lot from this round. You slept a lot. I was like, I, I was because like, yeah. you were a little bit, you were queasier. Yeah, you, you, you were a lot more tired, and so you know, though some of the medication they give you to offset some of those side effects, basically helps you sleep. Which, and honestly, you needed the sleep, so it yeah. wasn't like it was a bad thing at all. Yeah, I was like, I mean, hundred percent. Like I was going in getting the infusions and. Coming you know, and, and it's like, and people are like, how can you be more tired than what you've already felt? And I was like, trust me, you say that even as a patient, you're like, I can't get any more tired than what I'm already feeling. And then you hit something that makes you more tired. I mean, I used the analogy last time. It's like put, putting all the boxing, the Rocky movies together. That's how tired I was. Well, now it's like adding running the Boston Marathon on top of it. I mean, it was go in, get my, I mean, I was getting infusions, falling asleep as they were giving them to me, waking up to make sure there was no side effects, falling back asleep, getting out of the hospital, because it usually was an all-day event, Mm -hmm. then getting home, and I'd go right back to sleep and wake up, eat dinner or something, and go right back to sleep again. I mean, it was, it was getting to the point where it was very hard just to kind of keep your strength up, kind of keep, I mean, so what did I do? Like I said, I always walked laps, even at home. If, if there was something I needed to go get, I started implementing the one more rule. And everyone's mm-hmm. like, what's that? It was, well, if I was going to get a water in the kitchen, because, you know, for whatever reason, I would take one step past the refrigerator, knowing that eventually that one step's going to add up and add up and add up. So 
you, I never did anything to compromise anything. I never pushed too too far. That was a, a thing that I think I was concerned about is I don't want to get stuck somewhere. So I always made sure to do more as much as I was capable of. But you still got to do things. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't sit there. I mean, even though I'm at home, I'm not sitting down 24-7. I mean, I'm getting up walking in that lap. I still made it an effort every single time to get up and eat a meal at the table. Right. That is huge. And those are little things. Yes. But those things are, I mean, they help, I mean, mm-hmm. so much. I mean, part of your um, getting better since we live so close was getting your, making sure you got up to be prepared to go over to Vanderbilt during the day, that took so much more energy, and that's what they wanted is to make sure you try to maintain kind of a normal routine of what you were doing to exert that just to make sure you, you know, don't obtain fluid on your lungs and stuff like that. So, people, you know, it's things that people take for granted every single day was a big feat. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, there's no better way of describing that. That is 100% true. Um so, yeah, I went through, again, it was about four weeks. I think it's May 29th was when I ended the third round. So, that was a pretty huge feat. Again, they can't just, you can't end the round and know if it affects immediately, right? You have to end that round, take your bone marrow biopsy, wait a little bit, and see about the results coming back mm-hmm. and what do you do from there. So, um, the biggest thing that I can really remember was the Cinco de Mayo. Again, I go back to being funny. Uh, Cinco de Mayo, again, runs between April 10th and May, May 29th. So it's on May 5th, for those of you who don't know. So I decided to have a little fun, because being the person I am, I have to be the center of attention, is what I've come to realize. So I had to do something, right? Um, so I put a mustache on my mask. Yes. I wore some type of Predator shirt, and I had my Cinco de Mayo socks, and... At home, not at the hospital, <laughs> at home, I had a chili pepper hot, a hat, and it was awesome. <laughs> loved it. But, so, you know, I went, the doctors loved it. All the nurses loved it. Even some of the patients loved seeing that. When I got home, I actually had two friends come into town, Price and Zoe. And during this time, I still haven't had a lot of friends come up. And we'll actually go into another episode of what you can do as a friend to come, stay, chill, hang out, whatever. Um... But I remember I'm very limited. I mean, for instance, I haven't seen a lot of high school friends. I mean, like I said, a couple people came to visit me in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Super appreciative of that. But even you got to remember in the hospital, I was on no contact for a while. Yeah. So people had to try to pick and choose when to come. When could they see me? When could they do this? And I remember Price and Zoe just made the effort on Cinco de Mayo, were able to, because like I said, I was healthy enough, and I was freaking out the whole way they were driving, like, just don't run a fever, just don't run a fever, just don't run a fever. (laughs) So luckily they get there, I didn't, I was able to see them, it had been a while, but it was awesome. Uh, Like I said, I dressed up with a red chili pepper hat, and it was fantastic. (laughs) Um, One, Yeah, just a great memory, and that's... We'll I think that's the other thing. We'll have to pull some that, post yeah. that on, on. We'll have to pull some pictures. But I think yeah. that's the other thing that I, I've mentioned this before, but it comes to me, it comes to mind again that you don't always remember the worst moments of your chemo things. You'll remember random things. You will remember the funniest moments that are not funny to anybody mm-hmm. else. You'll think of something that just makes you laugh or smile or cry or whatever. I mean, it's not just like, oh, I remember I felt like, you know, death was hovering over me the whole time. No. I've laughed harder at the Cinco de Mayo with us all dressing up, taking pictures, 
than I had in a long time. I mean, mm-hmm. so there's just different things throughout your journey that you will find, and you'll find humor in, you'll find strength in, you'll find anything else. So that's one thing I always tell people is don't just picture what you think on TV. We've said this multiple times. They show the worst thing for drama. That's why it's on a TV show. True. Period. Um, so yeah, we're about getting to that point in time where we've hit our, what is it, 24 minute mark, 25 minute mark, we're close, so we're, we're keeping an eye on the time. Season two of It Can Happen to You, we keep an eye on the time, that's gonna be our new model. Oh, but we're gonna have great things in season two. So, uh, we'll wrap up kind of here for today, um, we don't want to go too, too far ahead, because we're still keeping along the timeline. But, you know, we have more things to come. I want to share with y'all. We didn't just sit around at this point. We actually held a couple of events in June and July. So mm-hmm. we'll share those with you probably the next episode if we can't get another guest speaker on here just to steal some more moments. But, you know, we'll we'll have another episode explaining what we did past this, uh, what the result of round three was, and what the future held for the uh, cancer journey going forward. But... Uh, before I forget, because I definitely don't want to do that, I'd like to uh, thank a couple more of our sponsors. We have a couple more sponsors that we didn't get to earlier. And like I said, season two, we're playing around with things. We're trying to see how things are kind of operating and how we can make the episodes better. So we want to thank uh, CYEC Daycare. That's Creative Youth Enrichment Center. Uh, Cynthia Gale and Tanya Brysons are the owners, and they do a fantastic job with children. They're at 7301 Old Harding Pike in Nashville, Tennessee, and give them a call at 615-646-8900. And if you don't want to you know, take your kids there, then at least take your kids to go get something to eat. Oh, yeah. Every child loves to, loves to eat. I mean, I love food still. So if you want to get some great barbecue, you need to go over to The Ridge. That's in West Nashville. It's West Nashville's little favorite barbecue place. It's at 333 54th Avenue North in Nashville, like I said, uh, they do delivery on DoorDash and Uber. They cater. Uh, the catering number is 615-385-7800. And if you have a chance, go check out their attic. They have basically their second story is called the Attic Bar. It's a lot of fun. So thank you again to all of our sponsors, including those, the ones that mom mentioned at the beginning. We can't, we, we couldn't do this show without y'all. We really appreciate everything, but we want to leave it there for today. We will have more episodes, more guests. Please contact us. Hit us up on all social media. Let us know how we're doing, how we can improve, anything that you can think of. If you have questions or an episode you think we should do, let us know that. We're always open. I have a favor to ask all of our, our friends out oh, there. I'm scared now. <laughs> <laughs> Just listen to all the episodes and pass it along to someone and also share it around. I'd love to have people throughout the whole United States. I really want to go global, okay? I want to go worldwide. Uh, but because I feel like hopefully someone can kind of relate to this. And then the next thing is, if you know of someone that has overcome a, a, an obstacle, it doesn't have to be cancer related because anything can happen to anybody at any given time. Mm-hmm. But if they've overcome something... Give us information. We would really like to talk to them because we want this to be an uplifting thing to make everybody realize you're not in this alone. Everybody has doubts. Everybody has fears. Everybody has issues. 
but what what is that we need people to understand it's how you react to those issues it could be good or bad or what you make it and let's understand that we're all in this together and we should be helping one another one thing i can say with the horrible t- tornadoes that just came through mm-hmm. it warms my heart to see total strangers picking up helping for other total strangers and that's how it should be nashville strong that's that's exactly how it should be so once again thank you don't forget to listen. Don't forget to give us feedback on social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Mom said it perfectly. So uh, once again, this was the It Can Happen to You podcast hosted by your favorite patient, Reed Besh. And his sidekick, Mom, Beth Besh. 